Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to preview this weekend's game between the Eagles and their old pal, Doug Peterson, and his suddenly really good Jacksonville Jaguars team coming to Philadelphia for a one o'clock kickoff and we're going to break it all down with Gus Logue who is a contributor for the Jaguars SB Nation site Big Cat Country we'll go over all the big uh, matchups and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, later on in the podcast the Thursday night game the very scary injury to Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa and um what the aftermath of that might be for the Miami Dolphins. And I'll give you some other games to watch this weekend, uh, my thoughts on a couple of the big matchups coming up, and uh, I'll give you my Eagles prediction for Sunday afternoon as well. That's all coming up here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Well, joining me to talk about the Eagles' big matchup, a suddenly big matchup with the Jaguars uh, this Sunday afternoon in Philadelphia and the return of Doug Peterson to Philly and what he has meant to the Jaguars here over the first few weeks of the season is Gus Logue. He's a contributor for the SB Nation Jaguars site, Big Cat Country. You can follow him on Twitter at Gus underscore Logue. Gus, welcome to Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? I'm doing great, John. Appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, just Ryan High with a 3 no start for the Jaguars. It's been pretty great just after covering a team that picked first overall back-to-back years. It's nice to see wins. It's fun to cover. Now Jaguars are uh, so you they're two and one, right? Correct. Uh, they lost week one against the Washington Commanders, but they have had two re- reassuring back-to-back wins against the Colts That's and right. Chargers. Yeah, yeah, and they really should have won that game against the Commanders as well uh, in the opening week of the season. Uh, Carson Wentz tried to give that one away as as he as we saw him do last week <laughs> against the Eagles, but yeah, some impressive wins uh, in weeks two and weeks three, twenty-four nothing over the Colts, and then in in Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. And I know the Chargers were without some pieces, but 38-10 to 10 is absolutely no joke. And we're, I want to get into some individual matchups here in just a second, but uh, with a 2-1 and one start, you know, I, I saw an article on Big Cat Country asking, are the Jaguars actually good? And I guess that's my, my opening salvo to you. Are the Jaguars actually good, Gus? I would say they are. I mean, I think just Doug Peterson and the rest of his coaching staff uh, defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell deserves a shout out as well. They're showing just how important coaching is in the National Football League. And obviously no one undersells it. But I mean, this is they've had a few pieces. Devin Lloyd and Trevon Walker, especially on the defense, have been big contributors. But this is really a, even players from last year to this year have had uh, massive increases in production and just performance. And so I mean, I think this is really so far the story of Doug Peterson, how well he's done with his team. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about. How Obviously, you're moving on from Urban Meyer, who was an utter disaster in Jacksonville, had no business ever being a head coach at, at the NFL level, to a guy in Doug Peterson who is universally loved here in Philadelphia. You know, it was a, it was a rough year in 2020 when they only won four games, and I think as we look back on it now, most of the blame for that has to fall at the feet of, of Carson Wentz. And one of the reasons that uh, the Eagles wanted to get rid of Doug Peterson was because they didn't like the assistance that, that he was going to hire and it just it kind of spiraled 
out of control from there. But I mean, here you have a guy who turned in maybe the best coaching performance in Super Bowl history with what he did against Bill Belichick in Super Bowl 52. I just think he's a phenomenal head coach. Uh, one of my bold predictions at the beginning of the year that I wrote about for Bleeding Green Nation was that Doug Peterson would win coach of the year. Just you've got a guy here who knows how to coach up quarterbacks. And I think Urban Meyer made everyone forget about Trevor Lawrence. Right, every, we're talking about all these great young AFC quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence was the most hyped quarterback coming out of college in a long time, and Urban Meyer was so bad that he made everybody forget that Trevor Lawrence existed. And now you've got Doug Peterson, who seemingly is unlocking what was a pretty phenomenal talent to begin with. What has Doug Peterson meant both on the field and off the field for Jackson, Jacksonville so far? I mean, off the field, there's definitely just a level of trust and confidence that goes both ways towards the players and the coaches that, I mean, I'm not in the locker room, but you can tell just by being a writer or a fan outside uh, how much it means to the team. I mean, they're like flying around the ball and it's partly because they have some athletes on the team, but you can definitely tell the sense of urgency that they play with is different now than it was a year ago. And that's um, definitely due in part to things that happen off the field. As far as on the field, like it's pretty obvious how big of a upgrade he is by how well he puts um, his players in positions to succeed. I mean, every coach will say that they do that, but Peterson really does it every single game with multiple players. Christian Kirk is definitely the basic, biggest example. Um, he signed this big um, market altering contract with the Jaguars this season. And He's, a maligned contract. Nobody liked that contract when he signed it. Right. It, sounded, it looked like an overpay. And he's been great so far this season, but at the same time, he has been dominant. He's like kind of just run away from defenders because Peterson has just put him in brilliant uh, spots, and Chargers has done a great job of playing uh, catch and pitch, pitch and catch, and getting the ball to him. And so Peterson's done a great job, like I said, of just scheming players up, not just Kirk, but the whole rest of the team, just making making everyone's job easier has really gone a long way. And we saw that in Philadelphia, Gus. We saw that in the Super Bowl. We saw that when he had Nick Foles, a quarterback, how he was able to adjust from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles. And he just seems to have an idea of how to clear out space and get his playmakers into space and, and make easy throws for his quarterback. And you talked about Kirk. He's eighth among all receivers with 267 yards receiving so far this year. He's got three touchdowns. He's got five plays of more than 20 yards. And as I was watching some highlights, it's not a lot of it's not a lot of situations where the ball's in the air for a long time. It's just finding a guy in stride 12 yards down the field and getting him in a, in a position where he can run for another 10 or 15 yards after that. Right. Um, you know, I, that, and as I watch Christian Kirk, I mean, that's just, that looks like easy money right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is like Peterson gives and Lawrence for that matter, gives the floor, the offense, excuse me, such a high floor because of the small details. I mean, it doesn't really show up with like, as he just talked about with Kirk, uh, like he's just kind of running around in the intermediate and short areas. Um, and it's not like Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase last year where they're putting up like 50-yard touchdowns, deep bobs that are contested every week. But the small details that Peterson puts into the scheming to make everything look so easy when, when it's really not. And then same with Lawrence, just like being accurate with throws, understanding stuff pre-snap, making like the little stuff that look easy is what's really raised the floor of this offense. And then, I mean, I think getting like a ball winner on the outside to compliment Kirk is what's going to take this offense to kind of the next level, just adding playmakers for Doug. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and obviously the guy throwing the ball is is the guy everybody's looking at. And let's talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence here because, uh, like I said, he, he, he came into the NFL with a lot of hype, and Urban Meyer absolutely destroyed all of that hype. But <laughs> um, so far this year, he's got a 103.1 passer rating, which is just slightly below where Jalen Hurts is at, 106.5. Uh, Lawrence has completed 69.5% of his passes. He's got a 6-to-1 touchdown-to-interception interception ratio. He's also only been sacked two times this year those sack numbers is that more a result of the offensive line I know Brandon Scherf is there uh, and, and obviously that was a big free agent signing for Jacksonville as well but is that more the uh, the offensive line giving giving him a lot of time or is that again going back to Doug Peterson scheming things up to get the ball out of his hands more quickly I would say it again goes back to both Peterson and Lawrence uh, a big reason the Jaguars lost their first game is because they got beat up up front by Washington's D-line, which is just incredibly talented and just super strong. The Jaguars have like some uh, young, I guess not weak necessarily because they're big NFL starting off of offensive linemen, but not the guys with the best anchor in the interior. And so they got bullied a little bit up front. Um, But since then, Peterson definitely made a change for more quick hitting concepts for Lawrence to get the ball out quicker. But Lawrence definitely deserves the most amount of credit for uh, his footwork in the pocket is incredible just like being able to avoid sacks with that alone but i'd like the biggest difference between last season and this for lawrence is he's just in a rhythm last year like the um, offensive line was really performing about the same they've maybe gotten a little bit better this year but lawrence isn't hold like staying on uh targets downfield for too long he's getting through his progressions he trusts his pre-step diagnosis more and it's better in general um, so he's just playing with flow and in rhythm, hitting throws on his back foot and three-step progressions. And it's like very clean football, again, high floor football. Um, and so it's, again, the the high floor that's really standing out for Jacksonville's offense. So what do you make of the matchup with the Jags O-line against the Eagles D-line? Because last week the Eagles registered nine sacks. Seven of them came with pressure from just the front four. That was kind of a departure from the first couple games of the season. Uh, it really has been three different defensive outings for the Eagles so far. In the first game, they got run all over uh, by by the Lions. And then in the second game, they got a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins, but they had to do it with blitzing. And then in the game on Sunday of last week uh, against, uh, against Washington, they were able to get home with just four guys. So uh, I still don't exactly know what to make of, of the Eagles defense right now. What, how, do you, what do you, how do you see that matchup working out? I think the biggest uh, or the scariest matchup for the Jaguars is definitely the interior for the offensive line. As I mentioned, they have two young guys in uh, Ben Bartsch, their left guard, and then Luke Fortner, their center. Uh, Fortner is a rookie, and Bartsch is a third-year Division three player. And so they're going to be going up against Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Javarn Hargreave. The rest of the Jaguars' incredible defensive line. And so I think it's going to be vital for the interior of the Jags to be able to hold up against them. Uh, Doug will definitely try to do his part in terms of scheming up like outside rushes and screens and quick hitting throws to try to help out his offensive line as much as possible. And again, Lawrence is like incredible. He's on the opposite side of spec of Wentz, really on the spectrum of like quarterbacks influencing sacks. I think Wentz is definitely one of the most sack prone quarterbacks regardless of how the offensive line or even defensive line is performing while while Lawrence is like definitely on the inverse not just like good at it but like pretty much on the elite tier of avoiding sacks 
Um, and so as long as like, I think it really depends on whether the interior of the Eagles D line can bully the Jaguars interior offensive line and then how well the Eagles defensive coverage holds up. Cause I mean, they're, if they're just hold, letting Lawrence like get those quick passes out all game, then the pass rush isn't really going to matter. Let's flip the script a little bit and let's uh, talk about the Jaguars defense against uh, an Eagles offense that has been led by Jalen Hurts, who is a leading candidate for MVP just through three weeks, but uh, playing better football, passing the ball specifically than I certainly ever thought he would. Most Eagles fans ever thought he would. And he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Um, I think, you know, I don't really know uh, based on how the Eagles offense has gone exactly what how, what you focus on. I, that's, I guess that's the best question to ask regarding the Eagles offense. If you're, if you're Mike Caldwell, what is it that you're trying to take away? That's what a defense is trying to do. Take away what the offense, the opposing offense does best. What is it that he is going to try and take away on Sunday? I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint one thing. The Eagles have such a well-rounded roster on offense. I mean. Just every single position group and room is loaded. Uh, I think Hurts on the ground is going to be a big focus point and something I'm really interested in watching because the Jaguars to this point haven't faced a ton of mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Herbert, is um, he's mobile, but he was limited with an injury. And then Wentz is mobile, but also sack prone, as we just discussed. Matt Ryan looks like a fossil, honestly. So this is going to be a really big test for the Jags defense because Hertz is definitely an elite runner. And so how they're going to, I think they're going to try to keep him in the pocket and make progressions down the field and make him trust his receivers, which is probably smart because his receivers are incredible. Um, But I think they're going to try to make him uh, beat the Jaguars from the pocket rather than using his legs. And so I'd expect to see a lot of inverted coverages from Mike Caldwell who comes from uh, Todd Bowles and Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of like uh, motion and post-snap movement from the safeties to try to con- confuse Hurts and keeping him in the pocket is what I would, what I would expect. Yeah, last year, the obviously the, the Buccaneers handled Jalen Hurts really well in the playoffs, and uh, uh, Mike Caldwell was the linebackers coach there at the time. So uh, obviously he has some experience uh, – knowing how to game plan against Jalen Hurts. But again, that was when Jalen Hurts had far less talent to throw to. Uh, Devontae Smith and, uh, and and A.J. Brown, who's the better receiver? <laughs> That's a fun question for Eagles fans to ask. I'm sure it's not a lot of fun for a, a Jaguars fan to have to think about right now. Yeah, and Jaguars fans are well aware of how good A.J. Brown is since he used to play yeah. for their division rival Titans. And then, I mean, Devontae Smith obviously showed the world last week how good he is. And so I think... For the Eagles on defense, their D-line interior is going to be the biggest question mark of how well they perform. For the Eagles offense, I think it's those two receivers that you just mentioned, especially because the Jaguars play a lot of uh, trail man technique. And so they kind of let the receivers like almost run by them a little bit, the corners do, I mean, uh, in order to like maintain uh, just like a certain leverage on the play. And so they the Jaguars ask a lot of their safeties in terms of deep coverage assignments. And so I would be looking to see whether Hertz can capitalize if slash when the Jaguars safeties um, mix up some like coverage assignments, because they're probably going to be moving and rotating a lot. 
So how good is the Jaguars' defense? I know Josh Allen on the edge is is, is pretty stout, and he, he'll go up against, I think, Jordan Mailata for, for quite a bit of this game. That's you know The Eagles have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in, in the NFL. Uh, will Jacksonville, do you think, be able to take advantage of some matchups on the offensive line, or were they going to have to bring some blitzes? I think they're going to have to bring some blitzes. I mean, the Jaguars' defense is legit in my eyes, but – with that said, the Eagles' offensive line is by far the best they'll play against just overall and across the board. So I, it's going to be a real test up front. I'm interested to see excuse me, whether the Jaguars like bring up a safety a lot of the time to devote extra resources against Jalen Hurts' ability to run um, and try to prioritize getting the Eagles into third and long situations or if they're going to kind of lean back a little bit more because they're nervous about uh, Brown and Brown and Smith, but I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to have a tough test because of the strength of the Eagles. But generally speaking, they're strong against the boards. Not just Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker, like Devon Hamilton, Roy Robertson, Harris, uh, Foley, Fatusaki. I definitely just butchered his last name, but uh, <laughs> I mean, they're deep across the board. They have some guys who are flashing every single week. Like this isn't a a unit to be tempered with slightly. So are the Jaguars right now, uh, for as as things stand through three weeks, are they the best team in the AFC South? Do you think they are the the probably the odds-on favorites to win the division at this point? I think they have to be. I mean, for the past few years, I've thought the Titans were always going to regress, and they haven't. And I always thought the Colts were going to get a little bit better, and they haven't. I mean, the quarterback situation seems to be holding Indianapolis back. And then, I mean, you could say the same thing in Tennessee. But right now, I think... Trevor Lawrence is clearly the best quarterback in the division and the Jaguars are clearly performing like the best team. So at this point hosting, if the Jaguars don't host a playoff game, then it would be a disappointment as things stand right now. So uh, it's prediction time. Uh, last I saw the, uh, the Eagles are favored by about a touchdown. I think I've seen six and a half in a lot of different spots, some spots of it at seven. Um, to me, that feels like a pretty big line. I know the Eagles have played really well this year. Um, they've had some stalling situations in the second half where the offense just kind of seems to meander a little bit, but the defense has been so good. The, the offense hasn't really been under any pressure to try and have to do anything. But as you look at these two teams, I see a really good Jacksonville team. And this is, again, just another reminder, Gus, why when we're putting all of those wins and losses together in the preseason when the schedule first comes out, it's largely garbage anyway because there's always going to be two or three teams on your schedule that are better than you think they're going to be and two or three teams on your schedule that you think are going to be really tough that end up having a terrible season. And this is one of those games, I think, as Eagles fans, we would have looked and said, oh, this is an easy win. The Jaguars coming to town. Not not so much here. This is, I think this is a very good Jaguars team. I do think six and a half is a little high. I think this is going to be a, a, a closer game. Um, where do you see things shaking out here uh, between these two teams on Sunday? Uh, I think the Doug Peterson storyline is massive, honestly. If he didn't previously coach the Eagles, then I think the Eagles win this game. And I might, I'll probably say they take the spread as well, just because they're clearly they're, even though the Jaguars have been great so far, the Eagles are definitely the more talented team. Uh, But like Peterson, like the Jaguars have been able to sit on leads the past two games. And like against the Colts, I tweeted a screenshot. They ran the same curls concept eight different times on 30 dropbacks against Gus Bradley's (laughs) defense. So like, it feels like, uh, Doug Peterson is almost holding back a little bit. He keeps introducing stuff new week. Like I feel like he has an entire playbook saved for Philadelphia. 
And so, like, I, I think <laughs> <He's brilliant>. I, <laughs> I, like, he's been just absolutely incredible. Like, far surpassed anyone's expert expectations in Jacksonville this season. And so, I think the Jaguars keep it close, and I would take the Jaguars spread. Um, but because I think there's going to be some rain from Hurricane Ian, and uh, like the Lawrence over Hertz advantage at quarterback might not be as big for the Jaguars. Um, I think the talent overcomes and the Eagles end up winning in a close game. I, 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 of all the teams outside of the Eagles that I think Eagles fans are rooting for, I, I think it is the Jaguars because I think everybody in Philadelphia wants to see Doug Peterson succeed. I, I just, he, he's such, he's such a great coach. I, I mean, I, I, I'm happy Nick Sirianni is here, but w- would I still love to have Doug Peterson as this team's head coach? Yes, I would. Yes, I, yes, I absolutely would. And I thank you guys. I, I was like talking all off season before Peterson got hired when all the different names are being thrown around, like how is nobody interviewing Doug Peterson? What, why is nobody calling on Doug Peterson for, for an interview? And then finally Jacksonville says, you know, um, they're bringing him in and they hire him. And I was like, it's, it's a no brainer. This guy's going to make that team so much, the competency level from, from urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. I don't know if you're ever going to find more of an improvement in coaching competency between two guys than Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson. I mean, you go to from the, the the depths of Urban Meyer to a guy who is just a really good, smart, emotionally mature football coach. I'm I'm very happy that uh, that Doug Peterson is off to the start he is, and the Jaguars are off to the start they are. That being said, obviously <laughs> hoping the Eagles can um, can knock him down a peg a little bit this week. But I think all of us in Philadelphia are rooting for good things for for Jacksonville this year. So. Um, I'm I'm glad I'm glad he's with you guys. <laughs> so am I, man. Uh, everyone called Trevor Lawrence the savior and Jesus Christ and all this and that, but really the savior for the team has been Doug Peterson. He's been awesome, so I'm glad they have him too. Well, listen, folks, make sure if you want to keep a closer eye on the enemy, go over to Big Cat Country and read everything they've got going on over there. Check out Gus Logue's stuff over there as well. Follow him on Twitter, as I mentioned before, at Gus underscore Logue. Gus, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Appreciate you. Well, up next, we'll talk about the Thursday night game and what went down with Tua and the nasty concussion that he suffered at the hands of the Bengals and Did the Miami Dolphins medical staff and coaching staff leave themselves wide open to some serious charges of mismanagement? We'll talk about that, and we'll preview some of the other big games to watch around the NFL this weekend after the break here on Eye on the Enemy. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So uh, let's talk about this Thursday night game between the Bengals and the Dolphins. Cincinnati runs their record to 2-2 two and two by beating the Dolphins 27-15. to The Dolphins fall to 3-1. and one. The Eagles now the only undefeated team in the NFL. Of course, they still have to play their Week 4 game. But the score of this game was really secondary to the concussion that was suffered by Miami quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, who is one of the stories of the season so far. He, along with Jalen Hurts, maybe the two biggest question marks at quarterback for good teams coming into the season. Both were playing maybe the best football outside of Lamar Jackson of any quarterbacks in football to start the season. But uh, Tua was thrown down to the ground in the second quarter uh, with about six minutes left in the first half and slammed the back of his head and neck into the ground. It was a really frightening hit. He was on the ground with his arms stretched out, and he was the cameras caught him contorting his fingers, some of the stretched out and almost stuck into position in cross, and what, what is known as a fencing response. Uh, sometimes when a boxer or a fighter after a knockout hits the canvas, they, they, they have that similar response. It's a, it's a response when you have a brain injury. And this injury, to, and he had to be carried off on a stretcher. Uh, he was taken to the hospital where he was later released, and he flew home with the team. So that was all good news. But the injury comes just four days after he appeared to suffer a concussion against the Bills. Again, this is just this is Thursday night football, so it's four days removed. It's already a very, very short week for the players. And Tagovailoa left Sunday's game with what was initially announced as a head injury. But he came and you could see him walking off the field. He was he was wobbling as he, as he was trying to to get back to the huddle and get back to the sideline before they before they pulled him off. It certainly looked like he was shaking his head to try and clear the cobwebs and that he had suffered a concussion, but he came back to start the second half last Sunday. Uh, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel said that Tagovailoa injured his back in the first half and that the injury was exacerbated when he was hit by Bills linebacker Matt Milano in that game. That's why he was wobbling, the Dolphins say. Uh, the NFL Players Association say they plan to investigate whether or not proper concussion protocol was followed at the end of that game. And then the NFL on Wednesday confirmed that a review was going on, but that every indication was that proper protocol had been followed. So the NFLPA released a statement on Thursday night after the Dolphins game and after the second Tua injury, stating that its investigation continues and that their concern was for Tua and the hope for a full and speedy recovery. But uh, leading into Thursday's game, he was questionable to play anyway with back and ankle soreness, but he did make the start. McDaniel said he does not believe that Tagovailoa's injuries that he suffered on Sunday had any direct connection to Thursday's circumstance. But it's not a long walk to take a look at what happened on Sunday, see that man wobbling after being thrown to the ground. You, you don't have your legs give out on you when you've hurt your back. That's generally speaking not, not what happens. That occurs when you have a head injury. And it sure seemed to everybody watching, and, and granted, we're not doctors. We're not a part of the concussion protocol. We are not on the inside. Uh, but it sure looked like to the, to the average viewer that Tua suffered a concussion. And it was shocking to everybody when he came back out in the second half of that game on Sunday and finished the game and played very well, led the Dolphins to a win. But here you now have him on Thursday getting... Th and I got I will say that with the violence with which he was thrown to the ground on Thursday, it may not have mattered what happened to him on Sunday. The very same thing could have occurred. 
because it was a violent hit. He was slammed to the ground on Thursday night. Uh, I, any any player who was thrown to the ground like that may have had this the same exact response. But it can be even more damaging to his long term health, to his brain health. You you just you worry about CTE with with these kinds of head injuries, and it would be exacerbated if he had suffered a concussion the Sunday before. That's the worry. That's the worry is for Tua's long-term health. And it is a big worry. I mean, they... I don't know when Tua is going to come back, but it, it should be a while. And there will be a protocol. There's a protocol that all these teams have to follow. The investigations will almost certainly determine whether or not the Dolphins followed protocol. But I don't know. And, and they've they've tried to insert some third parties into this so that it's not just Dolphins team doctors who are getting these guys back on the field. But... Uh, the, it really is under the control of of the Dolphins medical staff, these concussion protocols a lot of times. So what happens here remains to be seen. Um, you just you, know, you, you pray for Tua and hope that he doesn't suffer any long-term damage, and that's what they really have to guard now is forget about the season, forget about the win-loss record, forget about getting him back on the field. They've got to manage this guy's brain. They've got to manage this guy's head and his overall health to be able to function as an adult for the rest of his life. He's a young man. He's, he's, this is his job to play football, but uh, you also have a life to live after this, and so we'll see what happens. But it was a very scary, very nasty hit uh, that he took, and um, uh, we'll just wait and see what all these investigations turn out. All right, now what to watch for this weekend. Just so you're aware, through three weeks, I'm leading the Bleeding Green Nation writers' picks. We, we pick games straight up, the writers here at BGN do. Uh, and right now, I'm leading at 30, 17, and 1 straight up. No, we're not doing betting lines. I have a three-game lead on Brandon Lee Gowton for first place among the writing staff. The community, the BGN community, is in last place at 21, 26, and 1. I've got a nine-game lead over the community. Let's go. Let's go, BGN readers. Come on. Let's pick up the pace. There are three main games I'm watching on Sunday at 1 o'clock. In the, uh, in the 1 o'clock window, uh, you have Washington at Dallas, obviously a big game for the NFC East. Dallas is favored by three points coming into that game. Washington coming off two very, very ugly losses. Uh, and Dallas, meanwhile, coming off of two straight wins. I don't know that they've looked impressive, the off- offensively anyway, but defensively, Dallas looks really good so far in these last two weeks. The question is whether or not Cooper Rush can make it three in a row. Uh, will Washington's defense be able to to stop the Cowboys' backup quarterback? Dak Prescott looks like he's closer to coming back, but it won't be this week. And the big the big question is, were the commanders as bad as they looked on Sunday? By DVOA, they are dead last in football, in offense and defense. So are they that bad? Because they, they didn't look terrible in week one when they beat the Jaguars, the, the team the Eagles are going to play. Uh, this uh, this Sunday afternoon. And Carson Wentz has been all over the place. He looked pretty good at times. He's looked pretty awful at times. I know that's kind of what Carson Wentz is. Can he do enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys? I think most of us are probably rooting for Washington uh, to so that uh, Dallas doesn't get a 3-1 and record. Dallas would move to 2-2 two and two with a loss. Washington would move to 2-2 two and two with a win. As far as I'm concerned, keep that parity down in the NFC East while the Eagles hopefully continue to bank wins. And, um, and deal Dallas a little bit of a, uh, a momentum killer in the one o'clock hour, uh, in the one o'clock window on Sunday. So Washington at Dallas, Dallas favored by three points at home. I do think the Cowboys will win that game. You have Tennessee at Indianapolis with the Colts a three-point favorite. Um, the AFC South is really interesting. 
Tennessee was the number one seed last year. They have not played like it so far this season. But the Colts were a playoff team last year, too. They also are off to a slow start. I think the Titans need this game to avoid falling to 1-3, and three, while the Colts are at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They have that opening week tie that's kind of nagging at them. Uh, if they fall to 1-2-1, one, one, they would still be ahead of the Titans in the division. Um, so I, I think this game probably means more for Tennessee, and I think they can go into Indianapolis and win that game. And then you have Buffalo on the road at Baltimore as a three-point favorite, Given how Lamar Jackson has played, kind of an interesting line. This might be the best quarterback matchup of the week. You have MVP leader Lamar Jackson against Josh Allen, and they are expecting a ton of offense in this game. The over-under set at 51.5 when I last checked. That's the highest of the weekend. So I guess if you're if you're expecting the opposite to happen, you can expect a defensive struggle. But these two offenses are likely to put up a lot of points. So uh, look for a high-scoring affair in Baltimore. That game could be the most fun game of the weekend. In the 4 o'clock window, there's really only one game that I think is somewhat interesting, and it's not even that interesting because I do think Green Bay will win comfortably, but New England is traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Uh, Green Bay about a a 9.5 point favorite at the moment. I was going to say that I thought the line was too high, but uh, it all depends on whether or not Mac Jones is going to start. Brian Hoyer, if he starts in his place... The Green Bay, it could be a runaway for a Green Bay team that I'm not a believer in. Uh, but if, if Mac Jones is starting, I think that line comes down, and I think it should. I think New England can keep it closer, but the Packers should win that game regardless. Uh, looking at Sunday night football, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite on the road in Tampa. Both teams are 2-1. and one. This is a Super Bowl rematch. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, I know that I said... Um, uh, I still do believe Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen is the better quarterback matchup, uh, but this is a pretty gosh darn good one too. I think this feels like a spot where the Chiefs steal one on the road, and that would help out the Eagles tremendously with Tampa Bay falling to 2-2 two and two for the NFC standings. I think the Chiefs go into Tampa, and I think they take this one. I think they steal this game uh, against the Bucks in Tampa Bay. And then on Monday Night Football, you've got the Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. You've got Jimmy G back in the saddle uh, as the starting quarterback. I'm, I'm sure 49ers fans kind of happy that they didn't trade him away in the weeks leading up to the start of the season with Trey Lance now out for a substantial period of time. And this essentially puts the 49ers back where they were last year. They have a very talented roster but a very flawed quarterback. The 49ers at 1-2, and two, they need this one more than the 2-1 and one Rams. However, I am picking the Rams in this game to go into San Francisco and handle the 49ers uh, in Jimmy G's first game back as the starting quarterback. And that, that could very well bury the Rams at 1-3 and three in this division with the Rams at 3-1. and Going to be hard to overcome that if that's how it all shakes out. All right, looking ahead to this weekend's Eagles game against the Jaguars. It's going to be a lot of fun welcoming Doug Peterson back to town. I think the Jags will play pretty good football. I was asked an interesting, an, I was asked an interesting question by Jody McDonald when I was on Birds 365 earlier this week for Jacob Sports Media, whether or not Doug Peterson would be overly aggressive, go for it too much on fourth downs, uh, uh, trying to 
push the ball downfield a little bit more maybe than he has in order because he's kind of an emotional guy uh, to want to come back and and show Philadelphia, show Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman that they were wrong to let him go, to scapegoat him after the 2020 season. And I don't know that we're going to see that, but I do think that that is a possibility. Uh, Nevertheless, I think the Jaguars will come in and play pretty good football. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't believe that the Eagles, as seven-point favorites, will be able to cover that number. I think the Jags will come in uh, in there, so I like the points. Uh, Although I do think the Eagles will win this game. Uh, Look for Jalen Hurts to continue his solid play. The offense looks unstoppable right now. You know, you heard me ask Gus, what do you take away? If you take away A.J. Brown, we've got Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and Quez Watkins to worry about. If you take away, uh, if you decide to double up uh, uh, Devontae and AJ Brown, well, then you're going to leave yourself exposed to the running game. If you're going to play, if you're going to play lighter, you're going to you're going to allow this offensive line to just dominate you with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Jalen Hurts designed runs. It's going to be a matter of whether or not Nick Sirianni can be. Uh, can be nimble to whatever it is the Jaguars are going to do, whether or not Mike Caldwell, who was the Tampa Bay uh, linebacking coach, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, will what will he have designed for Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts looks like a different player than the one Caldwell uh, called a defense against or coached his linebackers against uh, last year. Um, he's got so many more weapons that he has at his disposal, Jalen Hurts does, and I'm just so fascinated and anticipating watching him every Sunday to see how much better he can be because he they the Eagles still are leaving points on the field. There 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 is an opportunity for this team to be even more dominant offensively. The Jags have a pretty good defense, but I do think this is a situation where the Eagles offense will overwhelm them. Um I think the Eagles will come out on top in this game and I'm going to say 31 to 27. Eagles take the Jags on Sunday afternoon. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Gus Logue from Big Cat Country for joining me here on the podcast. Make sure to check out all the other great podcasts we have for you here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Lots of great stuff to recap Sunday's action and then to look ahead to the following uh, Sunday, and that's what we are doing here on this podcast. Leave a five-star rating and a review over at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think of Eye on the Enemy, what you like and what you don't like. I would love to hear your input on that. And check us out every day at bleedinggreennation.com for the latest news, notes, and rumors about your football team. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N-E